0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information.
1: Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. As expected, the autumn statement has not put smiles on people's faces. Health and social care has been one of the few areas to see spending increases. But the government has postponed its plans to cap social care costs for individuals for another two years. Laura Koonsberg spoke to the health and social care secretary, Steve Barclay, about the delay.
2: Now, I want to read you an email from one of our viewers who's a senior NHS employee. They've said, if you said to me you can have an extra billion for the NHS, you have to instead give it to social care they write, this logjam is killing us and literally killing people. How can you justify delaying the change that's required again?
0: Well, the issue that they're highlighting there, the, the impact on the health of it, is exactly the, the thing we're targeting. That is why we're putting the money into social care, £8 billion in 2024, into health and social care, to address the fact that what happens in care has a direct impact on what is happening, but your in colleagues, our your
2: predecessors and your colleagues, people still in charge right now have acknowledged it 's not just about putting extra money in for years there has been agreement there has to be change to the system. I ask you mm. again, how can you delay justify, how can you justify delaying the change? Again.
0: Well, the local government um, bodies have themselves uh, asked us to delay because obviously they were concerned about such a major change at a time when, as a consequence of the pandemic, uh, the market is under such pressure within the care but sector. But why should our but viewers believe really you're matters? ever going
2: to do it? Because this is there's been delay after delay after delay after delay. Everybody agrees it's important, and it never happened. Why should people watching this morning believe that you are ever? going to change the system. Because I
0: think your viewers can respect the fact that with the pandemic, with the pressure that we have in our hospitals, let me give you one example of just why there has been such a change of circumstances. Going into the pandemic, we had 1,300 people waiting more than 52 weeks. On operation. That, uh, as of today, is over 400,000. So these challenges are due to the pressure that we face from the pandemic. They're That's not why all about we've the- had to take the difficult decision. And it is a difficult decision. The Chancellor himself, when doing my job as health secretary, was very committed to these reforms. And that's why it has been a difficult decision to Mm -hmm. delay. But what we recognise is we need more care packages in social care. It's right to buy those 200,000 additional places over the next two years. But also the spending in social care and by delaying these reforms enables us to fix the real challenges we're seeing in our A&E departments.
1: Kugsberg also challenged Barclay over the state of waiting times in accident and emergency departments, which have risen sharply since 2020.
2: You use the word challenge a lot. I want to show our viewers what challenge really means. We can look at this graph. You might want to look at it as well. The number of patients who have to wait over 12 hours before getting onto a ward when they arrive at A&E, Look at that spike.
0: And in a way, Laura, that's not that a makes,
2: challenge. That's a disaster. That makes isn't my it?
0: exact point. You can see the extent to which that has risen. Uh, exponentially since the pandemic. So the point is, the point I was making was in terms of where from the Labour Party here, this being a a 12-year issue, you can see there's been a very material impact from the pandemic. And it's in that context that we've taken the difficult decision on social care, whilst we remain committed to those reforms, to delay them for two years, which frees up the £6.6 billion investment into our NHS... But also the 2.8 and 4.7 billion can that goes you, into But care. can
2: you look at that as Health Secretary and tell our viewers this morning that this system is working?
0: Well, that's why we're packed with the very that's my, difficult my Can
2: you tell people that well, the NHS is working? it is right under,
0: now? I recognise Laura, that it is under severe pressure. Uh, and that, graph illustrates that. That is why, despite the very real challenges, mm-hmm. In the autumn statement that the Chancellor faced, he prioritised funding for health, an extra 6.6 billion over the next two years. But the it's, the it's the less than, than they asked? The well, the Chief Exec of the NHS was clear this gives the NHS the funding that it needs. Uh, but we have also, alongside that, recognised that simply focusing on the NHS without also focusing on care mm-hmm. will not actually address the issue of delayed discharge. Which is
1: why so- Sophie Ridge also spoke to Barclay and asked him about the prospect of nurses going on strike, which could be happening this December.
3: Now, another big issue for you is strikes. Uh, The Royal College of Nursing striking for the first time in its history. Now, you told the Sunday Telegraph their demands are unreasonable and unaffordable. What would be a reasonable pay rise for their nurses? Well, what
0: they're asking for is 17.6%. That would be an extra cost for £9 billion uh, on the NHS budget. That, for your viewers, is around three times more than those in outside the public sector uh, are receiving. Uh, and that's why I think that is unreasonable. And, of course, whilst pay is important, it's important to look at the package in the round. Uh, the NHS contributes a fifth of a nurse's salary into the pension. With their contribution on top, that means a quarter uh, goes into a a nurse's pension. uh, 33 days plus of annual leave. So it's important to look at the package as around. Well, what would and be a reasonable
3: why... pay rise? Do you think nurses' pay should keep up with inflation?
0: Well, We have a process to, to answer that question, which is the independent pay review body. Yeah, but we know uh, that we you listened... can comment
3: on pay, because you've just described their uh, demands as unreasonable and unaffordable. So we know you can give your opinion.
0: Well, my opinion is we have a process through the independent pay review body. That is why last year uh, nurses got 3% when the rest of the public sector... Uh, had a pay freeze. We have a process through the independent pay review body to look at these issues in the round. And of course, Sophie, it's not simply about pay. When I speak to nurses, they also talk about the estate. That's why we're investing in 40 new hospitals. That's why we've got a significant capital programme around the surgical hubs, the diagnostic centres. It's also about technology. One of the big bears, nurses tell me, is often when the tech actually makes their their job uh, difficult and and we haven't got the right tech in place. So so it's not just about pay, it's about the wider conditions. And that's why I'm very keen to engage with the trade unions. I saw the General Secretary of Unison this week. I had a roundtable with union leaders. I met the RCN uh, also last week. So my door is open. We're engaging with the trade unions. Uh, There are other factors alongside pay that we need to discuss uh, but we do have a process through the independent pay review body to look at these issues.
1: The General Secretary of the GMB union, Gary Smith, was on a panel watching Barclay's interview with Koonsberg and laid into the Health Secretary soon after.
2: Gary Smith, firstly to you, um, you heard Steve Barclay there defending the government's decision, saying there is more money going in, uh, saying that the pay deals are, you know, are OK and he wants to talk to people. What did you think?
4: Uh, I have to say I'm incandescent. I mean, this is deluded and frankly, pretty dishonest stuff uh, from the Secretary of State. The ambulance service, the health service and care were on their knees going into the pandemic and things have got worse. And of course, he finds it difficult to talk about wages. Care workers are paid pennies above the minimum wage, doing an increasingly professionalised and demanding role. And he doesn't want to talk about pay and poverty pay. And if we don't deal with the crisis around staffing and health and social care, we're not going to deal with these problems. But
2: times are hard. You know, governments around the world, not just in this country, but governments around the world have got a lot of pressure on money. And the NHS, unlike other bits of the public services, has had some extra cash.
4: Uh, Well, we could debate this at length. Why didn't they tax non-DOMs? Why didn't they tax the richest people in this country with the broadest shoulders who pay no tax at all? What have they done about bankers' bonuses? But the truth is, we made... The Tory government has made ideological decisions over, for over a decade about cutting services, and that's what's left our services on our knees. And this is not hyperbole or emotion. Our care homes were turned into morgues during the pandemic because we, of mismanagement and cuts. People are dying because of cuts in services.
1: Ridge spoke to the social housing activist Kwajo Teneboa about the death of the two-year-old Awab Ishak, who contracted a respiratory condition from the mouldy conditions in his family's council property.
3: So Gareth Swarbrick has been removed from his post mm-hmm. as chief executive of Rochdale Boroughwide Housing, that's mm-hmm. the housing association that rented yeah. the house. Michael Gove has written to every council leader in England mm-hmm. and social housing provider. Do you think that
5: change is coming? Well, I have to say in the case of... um uh, Rochdale Boroughwide Housing's chief executive having to be fired is an insult and disgrace, and I think it represents um, the culture, again, within within Housing and directors' boards. The fact that directors' boards only 24 hours ago was agreeing that he should stay in his post, even after that story comes out, is insulting for me, so I can't imagine what it's like um, for the family. Do I think change comes? Change should have come five and a half years ago after Grenfell. We should not be sat here having the conversation about an innocent two-year-old, um, dying as a result of the neglect of his landlord but here we are and um, change really should have come then so i really hope it does i really hope the sector wakes up and does their jobs realizes that it's people's lives they're dealing with it's not just a nine to five i think that's what the problem is
3: what would your message be right now to michael gove you're obviously a very eloquent mm-hmm. spokesperson for. Mm. M- Many, many people mm-hmm. right across the country. What, what would your message be to him?
5: Well, I've met, I've, I've spoken to uh, Michael Gove and his team uh, several times, and I'm glad the regulations coming in. It needs to come in a lot quicker. I don't think we're being tough enough with bad landlords. I think um, in cases like this, to avoid cases like this, we honestly need criminal charges now. If it was any other sector, if this was the NHS, for example, and it was a doctor or nurse who had neglected their patient in this way and it resulted to a death, not only would they be struck off, that wouldn't even be disputed. There would also There'll be a criminal investigation open and we need to see it in, within housing too because it's people's lives they're dealing with like I said earlier not just a
1: nine-to-five. And finally Koonsberg spoke to the lawyer and footballer Chloe Morgan about the 2022 World Cup in Qatar and bizarre remarks made by the FIFA president Gianni Infantino which included the statements that I feel gay and I feel like a migrant worker.
6: Um, I had a lot of concerns about those comments that were being made. I think not only are they very offensive um, to the, the people that he's discussing there, but it, it minimalises the experiences that they've had. Um, and I think for him to, to open up the, you know, a very long speech with that kind of comment, I think completely detracts away from the issues in the tournament, which are huge. Um, you know, Infantino has you know, said some really controversial things there. And for me, I think the biggest concern is that he's completely missed the trick in discussing the issues. Um, So, yeah, I I was just very appalled by those comments. You were Um, appalled. Appalled, yeah. Um, Disgusted.
2: Is it right for the World Cup to be happening in Qatar at all? Or could it have been an opportunity actually to raise some of those issues? We we know what they are, human rights, um, problems in Qatar and also their attitude towards LGBT people. I think, for me, I don't think that the tournament should have
6: been held there at all. I think it was the wrong decision. I think it's the wrong location. I think it's thrown up, uh, you know, significant issues there. Like you said, the abuse of migrant workers, you know, the exploitation of migrant workers, workers coming over, not being paid at all, being abused, not being able to leave their countries, not being granted, you know, permits being told they might be thrown in prison. and. You know, for me as a, you know, a member of the LGBTQ plus community as well, I have serious concerns about any fans who are LGBTQ plus fans who are thinking about going over to this tournament mm. because I think there's a fear there for their safety. I mean, you know, we've already seen um, Qatar have a massive U-turn in terms of the alcohol sales. What's to say yeah. that, you know, the initial messages they were having about, you know, Qatar being a very welcome, it's mm. going to, you know, not be a discriminatory they place. Have...
1: That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffeehouse Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.